this is Wicked Spursy. Spursy, Mike, Steve, and Dave. Steve, how you doing, buddy? I am doing fantastic, Dave. Thank you so much for asking. That was quite an enjoyable way to start this episode, as always. Just, just high spirits, just enjoying our time together, talking about what has been and what will be. So, yeah, tell us what you've been up to. Uh, enjoying this uh, cooler weather as summer kind of winds down in Vermont. It's been fantastic. Um, actually been able to bike around and not feel like I was going to die from just all the humidity in the air crushing me to death uh, every second I'm outside. So bring on autumn. I'm so ready for this uh, nice, just relaxing, chill weather. Right there with you, buddy. Absolutely enjoyed enjoyed it myself today in particular when I was able to like be outside working even without sheer misery. That's a good thing. Hey, Mike, over to you. How's it going? What's going on? Um, not much is going on. I was on call over the weekend. <clears throat> uh, oddly enough, uh, my cases fell in a way that I was able to watch probably about three quarters of the game. Um, uh, which, which is great. Um, I had that time to kind of decompress between cases. It was a wild weekend. Uh, lots of crazy traumas, but, um, Today, Lucas decided that he, like last minute, he wanted to go to uh, another uh, another camp. So we sent him to uh, his academy, his little academy's camp there. Um, and you know, I, I always forget. Like every single time when we get home, you know, he's so wrecked from camp. Like practice and stuff, he comes home unloads his bag. He gets so wrecked from camp because he's there for eight hours right and he's just running around being a wild man you know doing whatever it is they do and i forget that when you open the bag you have to make sure that you know you've plugged your nose because <laughs> yeah so he he wears he wears a headband uh, uh it, it's it's you know one of those like neoprene or whatever the the wicking the wicking uh, stuff is that neoprene what the fuck uh on his head <laughs> so he, he wears this thing on his head this in his sweatband and then and he takes the sweatband and stuffs it when he's done inside of his inside of his shoes <laughs> altogether good right i forgot about this and it's like it's been two weeks since he was out of camp so i open i open the bag and immediately the smell wafts out now, this isn't just a normal smell. And I, I, I now feel for my parents because when we used to like, they used to pick me up, but I, my mom used to make me stick my pads, you know, my shoulder pads and, and my whole pad bag in my, in her trunk. My dad would make me actually put it in the back of the truck, in the way back of the truck. I feel for my parents now and I understand, but I always forget. And I nearly threw up today. <laughs> it was like, that bad it's like yeah. i just told him i was like dude it's new it's time for a new new pair of boots <laughs> mike when you were when you were playing football in high school they they didn't uh they made you take your pads home uh no i i so i used to because <laughs> i'm lazy um so my mom would make me wash my wash my uh practice stuff right so like sure. once a week once a week, Friday practice, because we played Saturday games. Yep. Um, so Friday, Friday practice, I'd, gra- I'd gather all my stuff out of my footlocker and I'd bring it home to, to wash my practice stuff. But you'd leave it on your pads, basically, is what you're telling me. So, so no, no. Well, I left. I, I no, I, I would bring my shoulder pads home for a specific reason. But that's a that's a whole that's it's it's no, my teammates, my teammates weren't trustworthy. Aha, there we go. Um, right. So yeah, helmet, shoulder pads came home with me. Um, not every night, but especially before games, because I had to shine the helmet up, you know, it's a, it was a nice gold helmet like Notre Dame. Anyway, um, 
I was so lazy that when I would do my laundry, I would leave my pads, my, my, cause I had practice pads and game pads and I would leave them in the practice pants. <laughs> so like my knee pads in my, in my tailbone, my tailbone pad, my thigh pads would stay inside the, inside the, uh, the shorts that they call it a girl, but they were like shorts. Yeah. So I, I, I washed all of my pads with my, with my clothes. So I took all those pads home with me, thigh pads, tailbone pad. Yeah. Everything. Very impressive. It's funny. Many of those pads you just described like college and pro football players don't even wear anymore. Right. They don't wear the butt yeah. pad. They seldom wear the knee pads, depending on the position. The I, tried to not, are- I tried to not wear the butt pad because I was a center. So uh, I tried to not wear it and I got penalized. <laughs> Very first game as a center. Got, got penalized for, for an equipment penalty. So what we did was what we did is we cut cut all the padding around it and just took the piece that was on the inside and stuck it down. Because it was Classics. those butt pads were big, man. <laughs> <laughs> Very anyway, classic, there, Very there were more pressing issues at hand here. <laughs> you didn't know we'd end up talking about this tonight, did you? Butt pads, man. Butt pads. All right, boys. Let's uh let's get into it. Let's talk about the weekend. Uh full disclosure. I'm just gonna gonna be candid. I was I didn't get to watch the match yesterday. I had a bunch of outdoor stuff going on that had to be done. My plan was watch the replay, follow up on it. I think from listening to Extra Inch, I have like this memory in my mind of Nathan saying something like, Yeah, it's fantastic that the replays are up at at 12 noon the following day. And so in my mind, I'm like, cool. 12 noon there is 7 a.m. here. I'm going to be able to catch that early in the morning and be good to go. Yeah, it wasn't up. Um, and it still is not up to the best, best of my knowledge. So I Spurs play on Spurs play. Yeah. I did catch the, the extended highlights, uh, which were about 20 minutes long on Peacock. So I do have that knowledge base, but I don't have the The replays up on Peacock. Just so you know, the full replay is Yeah, good to know. When I was checking it out this morning, when I had the window, I, it wasn't there, but I think it's 12, it's 12 hours later. I think they get it up. Gotcha. All timing. So I didn't have the whole match experience, but I do have those extended highlights. So boys, as usual, you guys are carrying this bad boy. So Mike, why don't you get us started? You get mad when Steve steals your thunder. So you get to, you get to go first and Steve can react to your ideas today. <laughs> uh, Steve and I might have some, some differing opinions on, on, on the game. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so uh, straight off the bat, the squad selection was the same. Um you know, I don't know that we expected any different because of the, the you know, the, the, the quality that performance that we put in. Right. Also, you know, Perisic and, and Basuma are still kind of working their way into this, into this program and this, in, into this uh, uh, machine that Conte has built. So um, they're still kind of working their way into it. I, uh, I half, I half expected to, possibly see Richarlison work his way in uh, for a game here, but Decky was such, was such a, a, a huge influence on the previous game that, you know, you couldn't keep him out. Um, so, you know, it was pretty much as expected. Um, I thought that what I, I didn't, I saw probably about 25% of the first half live um, on, you know, on, in in just kind of a, a an amateur view of of that first half, I didn't see anything I liked. Um, nothing. <clears throat> I mean, it was a big it was a big time, just nothing burger. So um, it, it seemed to me that that Tuchel, um, as much of a fucking wiener as he is, um, had Spurs pegged, you know, and and I think he used a lot of what what he used um, last year, you know, in those 15 games we played against them. Um, Me exaggerating again. Uh, So Steve doesn't fact check me. (laughs) Um, So actually Mike. (laughs) So I, so that said, uh, like, you know, he knew that going in that they were going to be able to boss the midfield as, as long as, there as they were they were able to cut off the wings which they were you know they have cucarella there now um he's fast he's annoying he presses he presses very well um you know and i just it 
I just think that like they knew that if they were able to to stop the passage of the wings and make Spurs play through the middle, that they're going to be able to exploit that. And they did that entire first half. I don't think that, you know, Spurs didn't get a lot of, a lot of those passes through that they had against Southampton that they had at the end of last season. They didn't get a lot of those, those nicely threaded passes through because every single pass, every single lane was being cut off. So, you know, I think I think Spurs were a little too excited. They got they were a little too jumpy. I think a lot of their passing, um, their passing with purpose. Um, I, I think they were trying to. They were a little spastic, I guess you could say. The passes were a little too tough for dudes to handle on a nice soft touch. Um, balls were bouncing off, dudes. Uh, lanes were getting cut off. Um, Chelsea was just on the front foot from the beginning and they're, and I think their pressing killed us. Um, I think that what happened, what happened with Spurs was that they're, they tried to press a bit. It didn't work. And we got, we, we got caught off uh, uh, quite a few times. And, you know, I, I, I said it before, I, I think that Chelsea is a really, really good team. I really do. Um, despite, you know, players that they've lost i think they've gotten better by by losing lukaku but at the same time they don't have they don't have a proper striker right you can't call raheem sterling a striker he's never been a striker he's never going to be a striker um you know kai havertz i mean is as close as they're going to get um with timo werner gone with lukaku gone they they don't have a proper striker um it seems to me they still can't finish. <laughs> you know, that was the saving grace for Spurs. Um, second half, I thought Spurs came out um, still, you know, still trying to figure it out, figure out a way to break, to break this Chelsea midfield. And I, I got to say, like, as much as I fucking loathe Chelsea, um, I really feel like, like Jorginho was, was, like put on a masterclass in midfield. I mean, the guy was, the guy was good. Um, and, you know, he's one of those, he's one of the players that I, that I actually don't hate on, that I can't don't, that don't annoy me regularly uh, on Chelsea's squad. Um, and, uh, you know, Reese James as well, uh, put in a, an amazing game on, on, on their side. Um, and I'm happy for him that he scored. Uh, I think he's, he's a good player and he's, he's got a good attitude and he's the type of guy you want on your team. Um, that said, you know, everything was the same up until what the 58th minute close 55th, 58th minute, somewhere in there where they decided to put Richarlison on take out and take out Sess and completely change their tactics. They went to a back four, um, and Richarlison's fucking energy was just, just amped up the whole team. Uh, you know, Hoiberg started, started to get his ass in motion. He was kind of, he was kind of just blah for most of the first half. Uh, the second half Hoiberg showed up, um, Bentenker, uh, he had a rough game. Uh, Decky was pretty awful. Um, but I think that Richarlison gave a boost of energy and to the team. And I think once, once we changed tactics, it, it really, it really, uh, it really changed the game a little bit. Uh, it, it made Spurs feel like that they could do something that they could move. Um, but what, what was kind of funny to me is that like, they did that for what, 12, 15 minutes. And then immediately like, the first chance they got popped back into the, the three man back. So I mean, it was kind of, it was kind of funny that like content, I think content was so uncomfortable, uncomfortable with that. And they hadn't planned game plan for it at all. Um, I, I, I think he, maybe he needs to learn to be a little more flexible with his system, but I, I, I honestly think that the second half was, was uh, I wouldn't say night and day, but it was better. Chelsea still had their opportunities. Um, Havertz, Missed a fucking wide open goal. Ryan Sterling still doesn't know how to finish a ball. Um, but, you know, and we had, there were some 
crazy challenges. Hobby had a beautiful, beautiful shot um, off of a Ben Davies pass, you know. Um, and you could say what you want about Richarlison maybe being offside, maybe maybe shielded the goalie, but I, I think there was a center back there. Like, these Chelsea fans are fucking bitching, and I'm sick and tired of listening to that kind of shit. Um, but there were some things in there that happened that we'll get – get to in a minute i'd like to hear steve's take but i think that like harry kane was just waiting for that that spot to to score that goal and and you know he knew he missed that easy wide open goal earlier and i think he wanted to make up for it and when he got his goal you could see that that enjoyment that that awesome that awesomeness so you know that's a win for us i think that's a win for us we played a really difficult team we had um, a terrible first half, a better second half, still not the best. Um, I think we for a 2-2 draw on a, on a team that dominated us for most of the game, I, I think that says something. I, th- I think that Spurs are, are you know, Spurs are still going to do what we think they're going to do, what we thought they were going to do. This, this was a win. This was a win for us. Steve, you agree? I do. Um, you know, we were talking last week about how, like, this is the perfect time to play, but let's be honest, no time for Spurs is the perfect time to play Chelsea. You know, where we've caused Man City problems in recent history, Stamford Bridge, that place is just a fortress against Spurs. It is an absolutely difficult place for us to go to and, and play. Um, no matter who the teams are, no matter who's in better form, Chelsea always seems to show up and put on uh, an incredible performance uh, against Spurs at the bridge. So, yeah, I do think getting a point out of that game, especially an undeserved point, uh, is a huge win for Spurs. It keeps us right in a positive position at the start of the season with a tough game down. uh, And it gives us something to build off of going forward as well. Um, with Wolves coming up this weekend, it's, you know, I think Conte said it best, you know, we've got, we can do better. We will do better. Um, but on the flip side, you know, we played Chelsea, I think Mike said about 15 times last season. Um, I think the statistic was in the last actually Steve. Oh, Mike, do you have a correction to make? (laughs) I believe it was four. We did, but the last three, I think the last three times we didn't score at all and lost all of them. Um, so the fact that we drew and scored twice away at Stanford Bridge is a tremendous boost from where we are last season, especially when you consider that by and large, uh, we played 60 minutes of that game with you know the same squad that we had last year. The only difference is... Conte was able to change tactics. He was able to bring in uh, difference makers off the bench. You know, you talked for Charleston's energy um, and rightly so definitely made an impact. Um, Perisic too, with his crossing ability, especially from those corners. I mean, it's, it's night and day. This first team that we have now versus uh, who we were able to put out. If it was the same squad as last season, we lose that game without a shadow of doubt in my mind. Uh, but we were able to make adjustments and, and get the point that we probably didn't deserve. But I, I mean, that's the season, right? You play these games, you suck for most of it. You get the points. That's, you know, it's better than nothing. Right. So I'll, I'll take that any day. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the chippiness of the match. Um, just, just a couple things off, off the top of my head. I saw a couple uh, Reese James cynical fouls that weren't, weren't called for yellows. Um, there's obviously the hair, the hair pulling incident. Um, there was Benton Kerr's um, potential likely foul that, that wasn't called uh, that, that um, Jurgen Tuchel was complaining vehemently <laughs> about afterwards. Uh, there, there were the managers chipping and John away at each other. It was an intriguing, dramatic, game off the pitch as well as on what you guys think of all that stuff especially the post-match stuff any thoughts well first off before i even talk about the on the field chippiness i i want to take a moment to talk about some of the online chippiness that i was looking at when Mm. uh 
you know, we were at the, the bar um, at Goodwater watching the game with Green Mountain Spurs. Um, you know, we came to halftime and I made the mistake that I always make of looking on social media, you know, Reddit, Twitter, whatever, to see, you know, what other Spurs fans think. And I got to say, I am sick and tired of the Hoiberg slander. It's ridiculous. Every time Spurs as a team have a lackluster performance, everybody jumps on Hoiberg as the weak link. Um, you know, nobody on that team had a, a, a shining light in that first half in particular. But to say Hoiberg was responsible, the dude had six clearances, three blocks, four tackles. He was a defensive workhorse. He helped keep us in that game for long stretches of time. Um, and that's completely disregarding the, you know, almost captain-like presence that he b- brings to the midfield. Um, I think it was Ali G who was reporting that uh, in the buildup to the game, he was having a conversation with Romero to try to settle his nerves and keep him focused on, on the game at hand. This is an absolute key presence for Spurs. And it's the reason that manager after manager keep putting him in that position. He starts there. He has not lost his spot. When it comes time to make that sub, it's Benton Kerr who gets replaced by Basuma. Hoiberg is not a bad player. Just because some people in the Spurs fandom think that he needs to be this, you know, attacking midfield creator genius, uh, they need a reality check. The dude goes in, he works his ass off, he's got grit, he's got steel, he throws his body on the line. I cannot fault the passion of this man. And he's got the stats to back it up too. He's not just running around uh, like some other players uh, that wore Spurs shirt in the past. He's actually contributing to the team in a more defensive role, mind you. But I mean, if you think about how the entire team performed, especially in that first half, that's what we needed. We needed somebody to have that rigid defensive mindset to block those shots, to clear those balls, to put a foot in, stop, stop uh, any of those passes from coming in. Hoiberg did a lot of that. I think that, uh, you know, some people, uh, some Spurs fans should really take a good long look at themselves and recognize that Hoiberg is not the weak link that they think he is. He is an incredible asset to the team. Could we improve on the position? Yeah, sure. You know, I'm, I'm not saying he's best in his position in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but what he brings to Spurs is crucial for our success. And I think we're going to see a lot of that, especially this season with Conte, uh, you know, really pushing his, his uh, tactical plan uh, from the get-go. Steve, why do you think people get after him so much? You have a hypothesis on that? I mean, my hypothesis is I think that they see him as like like an Ericsson. Like they want him to be the creator. They want him to unlock defenses with key passes. I don't think that's Hoiberg. I, you know, he's he's not that creative-minded player. He is a workhorse in the center. He can help open up some of those lanes. He can help move the ball along but he isn't going to come up with these absolutely skillful, silky plays that, you know, just unlock defenses like a Kevin De Bruyne might do for city. That's just not who he is as much as Spurs fans want him to be that player. You know, I think when they see Hoiberg and Benton Kerr line up, they think Benton Kerr is going to be the defensive rock and Hoiberg is going to be the creator. And that I don't think is, is exactly what is going on in that midfield. I think he is much more an engine that enables those around him to perform. Um, you know, with the way Conte sets up, he's not supposed to be a creator. He's supposed to help cycle that ball out to the wingbacks, out to Sun, to Kane, to, to Kulisevsky. He's not creating. He's just making everything happen. Um I think there's a key distinction there. And and the sooner that Spurs fans recognize that, I think they'll start to appreciate more of what he brings to the field. All right. So on that note, quick quiz time, Mike, I'm coming to you first then back to you, Steve. And then Mike, we want to hear what you think about the chippiness. So here's the, here's the quiz. We are on the schoolyard playground at, at lunch recess, and we are getting ready to start a pickup game of soccer slash football, right? And you're the captain of your team. And there are two players left, both midfielders, and they are Hoybier and Erickson. 
which player do you pick between the two? Yeah, okay. Mike. Okay. Mike's going to give me all this context. Well, it depends on the previous picks, and it depends on <laughs> well, no, no, what, yeah, so what, no, my, I'm, what no, my back line looks like. I'm trying, go, no, I'm trying to do figure I have three out, men up front, or is it, is it a 4 three, two, one? Well, like, what are we playing? He's Just pick a freaking player, Mike. <laughs> I, sh- I should have just said don't care. <laughs> well, that's what I expected. <laughs> no, um, um, so are we? the only thing you have to qualify with Erickson now or Erickson when he was with Spurs at his height? Erickson between then and now. Okay. Uh, I'm taking Hoiberg. How about you, Steve? I agree with Mike. Um, you know, I think Erickson at his best uh, is an incredible player and would easily take that spot over Hoiberg, but he isn't exactly at his best right now. Um, and you know, I got to worry about some of the confidence levels expect, especially playing for such a dumpster fire of a team right now. Um, I would have to take Hoiberg. I think he's, he's more consistent right now. Um, and that consistency I think is, is key. And gentlemen, I agree with you, uh, wickets, Bursley fans, you heard it here first. Hoiberg is a better midfielder than Erickson. Mike, how do you feel about all the, uh, the chippiness and the, and the stuff that went on? I don't think Hoiberg is. Uh, no, we, we just, we just, we not just a better, picked. not a better historic picked. But I, I do believe that I would, I would definitely pick, uh, I would definitely pick Hoiberg just because um, of the, of the work he puts in. Okay. Um, and the way he cares about his club. Um, so the chippiness, you know, I mean, you're going to get that shit. It's, it's a, it's a London Derby. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> um they had a horse race yesterday it's at stanford it's at stanford bridge it's um it's spurs it's chelsea it's tugel it's conte you know fiery coaches fiery squads spurs are not like the happy-go-lucky you know fun fun creative team that they used to be um you know and spurs you know we saw it in the all or nothing documentary for lack of a better term, you know, Jose was right. And it just happened to happen under Conte. Sometimes you gotta be a, you gotta be cunts, right. You know, you gotta go out there and be that. And I think this Spurs team is that. And I think that, um, I think that's a good thing. And I think that the way that they are playing is, you know, we're, we're, the, the guys that make up Tottenham Hotspur, you know, we're not these guys in the past. We're the guys for now. We're the guys in the future. We're not going to let you laugh at us and we're not going to let you walk all over us anymore. So I, I think guys like Romero, and I think Richarlison is going to be one of those guys who's going to piss people off. You know, I think Hoiberg pisses people off. I think Hoiberg plays really, really hard all of the time. And he's not going to, and none of these guys are going to fucking back down. Um, I think that Eric, or that Erickson, Jesus, you got me going. I think that, that Romero is the guy, is the, is the guy for this club um, to represent this club in, in, in this way. Um, you know, this guy, I don't know how he keeps avoiding cards the way he does, you know, with last week's tackle, this week's fucking hair pulling incident. Um, but I liked I liked watching the game where there was some chippiness. I liked watching the coaches get after each other. Did I think that Conte was a little bit brash when he and you can't tell me he didn't after that first goal that he didn't go screaming and hollering at the at the Chelsea bench because he did. Come no, on. he was talking to the away fans in the far corner. That was his intent. Oh, right, right, right. I'm sure he was definitely screaming <laughs> at Tuchel. Uh, but I think it was like one of those emotional things where he went up and said, yeah, you see, we can score against you. Don't fuck with us. We can play with you. You dominated us. This is what, this is what we bring. So that was great. Um, what I thought happened after that um, 
you know, I, I get that like Bendiker made that tackle. Everybody, everybody in the fucking field, everybody in the stands thought it was a foul. I thought it was a foul. I couldn't believe it didn't get called, but it didn't get called. You know, the side referee was there. He didn't have his little flag up, you know, and, and, you know, the referee on the field didn't call it. Um, the play went on. Then you had another controversy, and I understand Tuchel being mad, but this is soccer. This is what happens. This is sports, right? They can get pissy all they want. They can blame the refs all they want. It's not going to change the outcome of the game. So that said, I think, yeah, uh, definitely a card at least for for Romero for for pulling hair. Um. Either way, it doesn't result, whether it's a red card or yellow card, doesn't result in the, the second free kick from happening. And it doesn't stop Parasich from putting in a beautiful ball to probably one of the best, one of the best set piece headers of all time um, in Harry Kane. And it, it, it doesn't change anything. Um, in, in my eyes, I think that, yes, Bendiker... I mean, yes, Romero tried to pull his hair, but in every other sport, you got long hair. Guess what? It it's in the rules, especially in the NFL. It's an extension of the uniform. So he was fucking flat out lying when he said his fucking wedding ring got caught in the guy's hair. Fucking flat out lying. He had a whole hand, and he ripped the guy down. I think it, I think what happened between the coaches after the afterwards. With Tuchel running past like a fucking child, with Tuchel grabbing the hand and bringing it in and getting angry because he didn't look me in the eye. I mean, I don't want to look him in the eye either. Have you seen him? (laughs) Fucking dollar store Vecna. (laughs) He's a dude. He's a child. Dollar store. What did he want? What did he want? You want him to look him in the eye like a man? Is that what he's saying? Like a man? Bullshit. That's what he was saying. Yep, that's what he was saying. He's a, he's a jackass. He's a jackass. You know, in the end, he's they're just emotional people, both of them. It happened. They both got red carded. They both get to take a game off. We get to see Ryan Mason back at the helm with his cool haircut, you know, and his and his nice, probably a nice suit and cool attitude. And um I think we're going to, you know, we're going to have, um, I, th- I think that the next time we play them, it's just going to be, it's going to be billed as like a, a USC type thing, you know, and what's going to happen is that we're going to have a soccer game. And I think that's all that's going to happen. These guys are professionals. What I did like, what I didn't like at first was Conte being kind of childish, but on the Instagram, but I love that it stayed up for so long. Is this still there? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what I do know, Mike? What's up, buddy? <laughs> Ryan Mason with his cool haircut. Like, like, <laughs> where does? What are you talking about? I don't know. If have I you really seen? Have you seen? Answer. He's got that cool wavy hair, and he's got he's got like the hard part in it, and like he's got like that. He's like a he's got like the hipster look, man. Yeah, but you sound condescending and judgmental about it. You weren't like his his cool haircut. I love his haircut. You were like with his cool haircut. Oh, he does have a cool haircut. That's what I'm saying. You're a judgy old grump. You know that? (laughs) Whatever. But I still would like to know. I've earned earned my judginess. Fair. Fair. (laughs) I would like to know something. Steve, I suspect you'd like to know the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, as a matter of fact, would, because I've been staring at this damn thing for, you know, the entire time that we've been recording so far. And I just, I have to ask, hey, Mike, what are we drinking? Well, Steve. Oh, um. Steve, that's funny that you asked that because um, last week uh, we did our thing in the rain. We did the King of Beers and um, this week we, you know, this week I said, we're going to do another American brewery that survived uh, prohibition. Um, But there's a, there is a, another, another fun twist to this. Um, The fun twist is that we're going to do a light beer. Okay. Uh, tonight we're going to do what was, uh, 
the original light beer. Um, first brewed for production um, in 1975 by Miller Brewing Company. Um, it was the first light beer and, and, it, and it was the first beer to, to count carbs and count calories. Uh, 3.2 carbs and, and uh, 90 calories per 12 ounce can of beer. Um, what does that translate to with this 90 ounce monstrosity? Uh, I, I found out they, they, they're 24 ounces. Okay. <laughs> so it's just a little bit, it, it looks like way more than 24 ounces. It absolutely does. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's what I said at my local beer store. I think it's 32. Uh, it's 96 calories, by the way. Um, so unlike last week, this week we have a fine Pilsner beer. <laughs> As opposed to a lager that is a yeah. Pilsner. Yeah. So um, little little history on Miller Lager. Oh, yeah. Did you hear that? That was hardcore. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, tastes great, less filling. It's because of the, the, the caloric content. and um, But they, they, years later, tried to attribute the taste in, in, a, in an ad campaign by saying it, it, it was triple hops brewed, you know, kind of to, to combat the, the growing craft beer uh, industry. Triple hops brewed. And uh, we all know that's bullshit. And then, you know, Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch tried to combat them because they were um, they were coming up hard and fast, Miller Lite was, um, by saying, you know, oh, they use only corn syrup and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, corn syrup's apparently bad for you, but it's they don't use corn syrup. They use maize. Uh, it's completely different. Uh, Budweiser uses rice. I mean, it's the adjuncts in these beers are like, they, you know, they're all the same, whether you want to use rice or you want to use corn for your sugar you know, is, is, it doesn't matter. You know, the great thing about Miller Lite, um, Miller Lite was the beer that I went to after I stopped drinking Budweiser. Um, and along with my diet, this Miller Lite was, uh, helped me to lose 80 pounds. (laughs) I didn't do any exercise. I just changed my diet, stopped going to fast food. And I started drinking Miller Lite instead of Budweiser. So you're saving on, you know, 11, 11 beers a night <laughs> you know, at the bar. You're saving how many calories, you know? Um, I'm going to pour this and I'm going to, we already know that it's what it's going to look like, but I can tell you that Miller Lite of all of the uh, light beers that I've had most resembles an actual like heavy beer. I poured this in a 22 ounce Pilsner glass and I can tell you that. So there's like another 22 ounces left in that can, right? There's a, there's a lot left in the can. Got a nice <laughs> head on it. It's poured nicely. How's that lacing, Mike? We don't know yet. We haven't taken a sip, Stephen. Looks uh, delicate. I haven't, I haven't had a Miller Lite in a long time. I, it was my go-to for a long, long, long time. Um, Mike, can I interject just with a personal history on this one? Mm. I think I, sh- I th- shared this with you uh, earlier in the week. So for me, Miller Lite has a nostalgic uh, vibe because it's what my dad drank when I was was growing up. So like that can, seeing that in the the garage refrigerator, you know, that I just have those memories. And I have those those memories of going to grab a beer for my dad and pulling the old school like beer tabs off the top before they had yeah, just yeah. The, the flip tabs. Like just, so everything from like the feeling of taking that tab off to the, the side of the can um, is nostalgic for me. And so one of several reasons that I appreciate this particular choice back to you. Um, for me, um, this Miller Lite says baseball to me, mm. you know, I'm going to Fenway park. One of the biggest, one of the first advertisements they had there outside of Marlboro, um, was a big Miller Lite sign up in, up in, uh, right field. Um, so let's, it's nice and it's, it's nicely colored. You know, you'd think a light beer would be really, really light and kind of see-through. This is nicely colored. It's golden. It smells good. It smells like beer. It doesn't smell as heavy as that Budweiser, but let's get into this. This beer reminds me a lot of uh, dirty basement college parties. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Where everybody, you know, it's college. You just buy the cheapest fucking thing you can find at the store, and this is it. Here we have it. 
like I'm playing beer pong in somebody's dimly lit shitty basement, hoping that the cops don't show up to uh, close things down. Let me take another sip of that. All right, so Steve and, I are back, Steve and I are back to telling college stories while Mike processes this. I'm going to tell you, Mike, you get to analyze this, but my, I made sure mine was ice cold and I've been drinking it quickly um, out of the can. I'm enjoying it. I, I'm, I'm truly enjoying this, uh, this flashback <clears throat> beer today. So, Mike, give us the breakdown on this thing. This, this, beer, is, this beer is good, dude. Um, it's, it's everything a beer is supposed to be. It's, it's cold. It's fizzy. Um, you know, it, like it's got the, it's got the bubbles. Um, it is golden colored lacing there you go steve there's your lacing i still uh, don't know what i'm looking at <laughs> so you're looking at you're looking at the that looks like a, a, a three-finger biscuit head to me oh wait no that was, that was a different review you're looking you're looking at what's left over after you take a drink on the side of the glass i'm drinking it right out of the can i just... <laughs> But you know what it doesn't, you know what it doesn't have, Mike? It doesn't have that grapefruit flavor that you can expect from a craft beer trying to mimic this. Right, right. Um, there's I don't think there's a craft beer that that's gonna mimic this. I mean Miller Light's always been made, um, always been made well. It's you know, my dad, my dad had said that it tastes exactly the same as it tasted in the 70s, which again is a hallmark of all these macro brews. Now Miller over the years has been purchased and sold. Um, they purchased Coors, um, and then then uh, they were bought out by Molson. Uh, Molson Molson bought half of Coors. Miller bought half of Coors, and then Miller got sold by got sold or bought up by by Molson. So now it's Molson Coors who makes Miller Light. But Miller Brewing Company survived Prohibition. Um, and um, and I think you know we, we had those commercials back in the seventies. I love this beer. It it tastes good. Like I said, it's fizzy. It has actual like it has actual taste to it. You don't get that out of a lot of light beers. Um, and like I said, it makes me think of like Fenway Park. It makes me think of baseball. It makes me think of sights and sounds and and smells of baseball. Um. 3.2. 3.2. Yeah. How, how does that compare? What'd you do on, on Budweiser last week? Was that a 3.1? It might have been 3.1. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Give me All the right. song. Yeah. Well, oh, give song? me the song. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to say, uh, I, I, I want to say, uh, because it reminds me of baseball. Um, it reminds me of summertime and being able to be at a party out, you know, at a party with the nice fire, um, maybe, or just sitting by the, by the fire, listening to the ball game. Um, I'm going to say, put me in coach. I like that call. All right. All right. Yeah. I like that call. Uh, it's funny, uh, because that, that, that's a baseball song in my mind. And you talk about, um, it makes you think of baseball, Red Sox. My White Sox this year, they had a, a section in right field that historically had been the, the Goose Island Brewing Company section. And uh, Miller Lite got the contract for like 10 years for that that section as well. So I have mental images of, of the ballpark in, yeah. in that regard. It's a good thing. Good yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So this has been, uh, it's been Miller Lite. It's been another good flashback. Mike, as we look ahead, so we've got the barbecue coming up. Um, we do. This coming weekend, very excited. Um, last I checked, there were about 900 people signed up. So, you know, even if only two-thirds of them show, you'll still have a full backyard. But <laughs> I'm wondering, are, are we going to, um, next time we pot, are we going to continue with um, with this for another stretch? Or we also had, uh, I, I don't want to go too deep on explaining this in case we decide to hold off, but had a couple beers come my way that I know that are were intended for the three of us to share Maybe we want we want to go that direction instead. You got an opinion? Um, it's funny that you say that, Dave, because uh, the other beer I had previous to this delicious Miller Light, um, 
was called Pressing Pause. Ooh. Quite deciduous. It's a West Coast IPA, but um, let's press pause. I think I like that. I think I like that. Press pause on our, our domestic assessments. And uh, we got we got some special guest beer next time we do this, right? Correct. Very, very exciting. All right. Hey, this has been Hey Mike, what you drinking? Miller Light 3.2. Uh, does that match the alcohol content and the carb content, by the way? Is, is there something to that? I think I think the alcohol content is uh, like four point two or something. Ooh, all right, close enough. Let me take a look. Oh shit! It does say twenty four fluid ounces on this. <laughs> Hot damn! And then it says plus beautiful lacing, right, Steve? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah, um, a little more erotic. Four point one, four point one seven on the ABV. Okay, so you can have about fifteen to twenty of them. <laughs> Perfect. All right, that's that's hey Mike, what you drinking? Let's move on, Steve. I'm curious what's going through that brilliant mind of yours. You know what? What I know is, given enough time, you come up with some crazy stuff, and uh, I'm suspecting you might have some interesting thoughts. Could are we hear you, them? Are you ready to go there, Dave? I'm ready to go there. You know, I, I I like following Mike's segment of joy with Steve's segment of crazy, and then we we just combine that for joyful craziness, and and we, we, we go that road. Well, Dave, I'm glad you asked because there has been a particular conspiracy going around the internet uh, that the kids call it these days. Uh, the World talk- Wide Web? The yes, World Wide yes. Web. The World Wide Web uh, talking about how the refereeing decisions are, um, you know, maybe, maybe they're playing favorites. You know, maybe uh, Anthony Taylor's got it in for Chelsea. I think that's the the new conspiracy going around. And uh, that's not what I want to talk about because that's absolute nonsense. I don't know how you can look at that and think Anthony Taylor um, is, you know, specifically targeting Chelsea. I mean, let's be honest. He's just a shitty ref. And I can say (laughs) that because I'm not associated with a club. So I don't think the FA can find me. What I do want to talk about is the referee conspiracy conspiracy. Oh, Now, you probably haven't heard of this, but I'm bringing it to your attention that there is this conspiracy to claim that the referees have a conspiracy against other teams so that when Spurs get that referee next, they crack down harder against Spurs so that the opposition can end up winning their games. We've seen it a couple of times now uh, in the past. Anthony Taylor for one, and I'm sure Anthony Taylor for like two, three, four as well. Uh, It seems to happen every time somebody complains about the refereeing decisions. That referee gets put in charge of a Spurs game. They don't want the bad optics of, uh, you know, being that shady ref. So they just crack down against Spurs. It's like, you know, it's, it's deliberate. I don't think they're upset about the refereeing decisions, because let's be real, Chelsea had plenty of opportunities to run away with that game. If Sterling put that shot on, if Havertz finished, uh, you know, his chance, it could have been four nothing, you know, easy, assuming that both of the decisions went against Spurs. The fact that they drew 2-2 is entirely Chelsea's fault for sucking defensively at key moments. That's all it is. Um, so it's not the refereeing decision. However, if they put pressure on the referees, especially when it comes to Spurs, suddenly the referees are going to come down harder on Spurs players for infringements that wouldn't have been called in the past. And Spurs are going to be the unlucky recipients of referee bias, all because some fucking crybaby named Tuchel decided that it's the referee's fault that his team blew their lead. You know, Reese James coming out saying something similar, saying how the dressing room was angry at those decisions. They could have closed the game. They're only complaining about the referee so that they can screw over Spurs. And I'll I'll give you another piece of evidence, Dave, to further show that there is a conspiracy. The red card against Conte wasn't because of anything Conte instigated. It was because Tuchel pulled him in and drove him to the point of receiving a red card. 
Tuchel and Chelsea are deliberately trying to con the refs into being extra hard on Spurs against Wolves so that Conte's team will start to drop points, lose confidence, break their mentality, and become an easier target for a top four finish. It is a long game being played by Chelsea, and this whole referee conspiracy is their way of pushing that agenda. So, Steve... I'm trying to find my thoughts here. I'm, I'm thinking out loud, which is always a dangerous thing to do. What I'm hearing you say is Chelsea is engaging in an orchestrated attack on Spurs validity, integrity, and um, status as a team. And the way they're doing that is they are making targeted moves to undermine aspects of different things that affect the way Spurs go about their business on the pitch. Um, that, 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 that is, is strategy that it is well-planned and that they are leveraging power in a number of different ways to try to destroy something both from the outside and somewhat from the inside. Am I, am I, am I stating that correctly? Yes, Dave, you are. Match, match, match fixing. So it's almost as if Chelsea has connections to like a foreign regime that that engages in (laughs) those types of those types of activities and behaviors towards other countries. Yes, I'm just saying I'm just saying that I wouldn't be surprised if they picked up a thing or two. So, you know, so Chelsea is perhaps still an appropriate nickname for that club is that's what i'm getting at is that accurate i think so i think that uh you know they recognize that it's their own fault that the game ended the way it did um and if they were to blame spurs then you know we just laugh it off ah, ha, ha, it's a rivalry whatever get over it but if they target the fa an organization that is notorious for thinking that they're doing a better job than they actually are there's optics at play that are going to make them have to rethink some of their decisions so that they can appear unbiased. And how do you appear unbiased after being called out for a bias? You go hard in the opposite direction. It's going to impact Spurs. Just you wait against wolves. We're going to see calls that normally would have been, you know, 50, 50, whatever. It's not a foul. Let's move on. They're going to be replaced with hard, harsh yellows. And maybe even we see our first red on Saturday, all because of Tuchel and Chelsea's bullshit comments about the referees. Steve, for about the eighth week in a row, I, I uh, subscribe to your conspiracy. Uh, I'm on board. <laughs> I also, I'm, I'm concerned about Wolves because as we know, Mike loves Bruno Lage. Um, Mike, Bruno Lage is Mike's second favorite manager in the world. Wolves are his second favorite Premier League team. So Mike, all that said, I want to he- hear what you think about Steve's random ideas. And looking ahead, I want to hear what you think as well. <clears throat> I, all right, Steve. Um, <laughs> so yeah, Kevin Friend is going to be the referee, I guess. Then is what you're saying. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and and he's and he's going to fuck us over. It, it, it's it, you're saying you're not saying that that it's the dreaded early game. It's not the early. It's not the early the 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 noon matchup. It's the it's all the refs. It's the it's the the refs conspiring with the refs, conspiring with the FA, conspiring with Chelsea, conspiring with Russia, who are in control of the bullies. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, you know what? Fuck the Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm on board. I'm all on right. Board. No. And just to be clear, okay. So I think it's because of the Russian wolves. oligarchs, not the Russians themselves, who are delightful people to talk to. Not the Russian people, the Russian oligarchs. Yes, it, I mean Russia. Russia meaning Russia meaning the government and and their network of fucking rich dickhead douchebags. Hey, yeah. It seems it seems very much it seems very much like the Republican Party, but we won't go there. 
so Steve, we you need to begin your, your some research. So here's what we've got. I've got next weekend's referees. Uh, referee Stuart Atwell is the referee. Oh, he's um, actually very good. He is joined by <laughs> Daniel Cook, Mark Perry, and Peter Banks. So oh, that's that's man. the group we need to be uh, looking out. Who's the VAR ref? Uh, I have to click an arrow to get to that man. You are asking <laughs> way too much of me right now. Oh, that took me to a random page. Premier League has all the ref assignments though, so. Uh, give it a look in your spare time. Perfect. I'm gonna look uh, so right looking now, ahead. Yeah. Speaking of looking ahead, yeah, Mike, talk to us about how much you love Bruno Lage. I do love Bruno Lage. Um, I don't necessarily. I I, I thought that Bruno Lage was going to be just. I I thought it would be like he would be a seamless transition from Jose. He um, he presents a little more of an attacking game than Jose does. And it has nothing to do with the Portuguese connection. Um, it just happened. It just, they just happen to be Portuguese. <laughs> they both happen to be Portuguese. Um, I think Bruno Lodge is, is a similar type of a coach, except he's not as willing to, I think, to let his players sit back and just kind of um, defend and try and get the odd counter um, in a, on a goal and then just sit back and defend the entire game and be happy with a one nothing game uh that said he doesn't have a great collection of players this year you know um i think that i i think that wolves i think that wolves are a team that under nuno um kind of reach heights that they didn't they didn't know that they could reach that they didn't think they would ever reach and toward the end after having having to sell all these players that made them reach those heights that they reached, just started to, you know, fall apart a little bit at a time. I think Bruno Lodge right now is a Band-Aid for that team. I think he's a brilliant manager, and I think that he would be great um, in, in Spain. I don't think he's going to – I don't think he's going to do anything spectacular. He would be great in Spain. He would be great – I think he'd be great in the French League – I don't think he's going to do anything spectacular in the in the Premier League, especially especially with Wolves, who is a team that um, that develops players just to sell them, so that they can stay they can stay you know in the middle of the table. Um, that said, I think the early game has always presented Spurs with a, with a, a little bit of a challenge. I think that. Um, this weekend we might see a little bit of a lineup change. Um, possibly Sonny going out of the of the starting lineup. Um, you saw what kind of um, energy Richarlison brought, um, and I think there's a possibility of Sonny actually having to sit down. Um, Sonny's gotten a lot of he's gotten a lot of minutes even through preseason. Um, he I know he was removed from the game um, and. I don't know. I don't know if it was for any other reason than the fact that he was probably one of the worst players on the on the field um, in that game this weekend. He he was not good. Wasn't he, wasn't Reese James really kind of all up in his business though, and like he was focused uh, on on stopping him. And it wasn't just Reese James. Uh, you know, I think um, I think that Tuchel, you know, played it played it perfectly on our on our wingers um you know every time that decky got the ball there's two guys on him two guys they weren't even caring about harry harry kane dropping back right what they were carrying what they were caring about was um crosses coming in from decky because the guy the guy getting his any chance that he had to get the ball on his left foot there was a guy arriving in front of him um you know, on the other side was Sonny. It was, the, it was kind of the same thing. They had a guy broken. They had a guy trying to break him down and they had a guy coming, coming to fill space in, in behind him in case Sonny got around him. I mean, there was a couple of times where Harry Kane had through balls um, to a couple of players um, dropping back the way that he does um, to be a facilitator instead of a scorer. And I think that like, you know, 
they they found a way to stop our wings to stop our wing backs from crossing balls in from even getting balls sometimes and it, and it made decky and it made sonny look really bad but the thing about sonny is that he didn't just you know fail to do what he does he failed to do what he does and he looked like he was either not trying or didn't really want to be there anymore. I think he looked like he was gassed um, from probably the 30th minute. I, I think it's a lot of overwork and he's had a lot of stress on him. And, and I think that uh, it's going to change against wolves, but I, I don't know. I don't know if it will, if we're going to be in a situation where you put him, you know, it's kind of like that struggling pitcher. Do you let him keep staying out there and throwing innings to try and write himself? Or do you have to take him out for the, for the better good of the team? You know, I say, I say, give Sonny a rest. You know, he's been through a lot since winning that golden boot. You know, he's been through a lot. He had that tour of Korea. He's probably just fucking tired. So I think going forward, Maybe if we're, I'm not going to be disappointed if Sonny's not in there, I don't see how you take him out, but I'm going to tell you that I think that Sonny is um, integral to this team. But if we can get a different look with Charleston, I, th- I think it's a good idea. All right, there, there we have it. I'm, I'm interested, like looking ahead past that, that match, Mike, we don't need to talk about it now, but we got a stretch coming Wolves, uh, Forest, West Ham. Fulham city and then Leicester. We got a stretch of games that, that old Spurs would have found a way to fumble a number of those games. Uh, it's going to be a really telling stretch across basically the month of September to see what happens with uh, new and improved Spurs. Steve, what are you thinking about as, as uh, we, we move towards wrapping up? What am I thinking about? Um, well, I guess I could use the last couple of minutes here to just remind uh, Spurs fans everywhere um, not to engage in hate speech against other clubs. Um, there was a message going around um, from Plyle Lily Whites that got shared by um, Tottenham Hotspur uh, about the Rent Boys chat that was apparently going around at the Chelsea game. And it's just unacceptable you know if you're somebody who thinks it's okay to you know continuously engage in that kind of chanting uh even though you've heard from the club and from uh, you know uh, other sources that it's just not okay that it's um wrong it's it's hurtful just go fuck yourself. I mean, you're just being deliberately cruel at this point. Um, it's, you know, we've, we've got the history. We understand what's going on. Uh, I get that it has been part of, of the club for a long time, but you know, we as a society have evolved past that and, you know, we don't like it when other fans are making the hissing noises uh, when Spurs play. We don't like some of the anti-Semitic uh, chants that come our way. Why would we, as Spurs fans, send anything just as hateful back down towards other teams? It's disgusting behavior, and I would uh, hopefully nobody listening to this podcast is engaging in that. But if you do, I really hope you take a good hard look at yourself and, and really think about, is it really worth it to you? Um, is, is that sort of hateful phrasing that hateful chanting really worth looking like a complete and utter jackass in this day and age. And I'd encourage you to just cut it out, just stop it. You know, there's other things that you can latch onto and, and, you know, have some fun, friendly banter with the other clubs, but to, to diminish another group is, is never acceptable at all. I 100% agree, Steve. Um, in my, you know, I, I, uh, I work with a lot of the LGBTQ community and um, I can, I can tell you, and I work and I, and I, and I, um, and I have a lot of LGBTQ friends and I can say that, um, you know, I support them 100%. And, and I didn't know that that, 
initially I didn't know that that's what that chant was about. I honestly thought it had something to do with the fact that they were owned by a Russian oligarch and they had all this ill-begotten money um, and they were just renting, renting players and renting a team um, based on how much money they had. Um, that said, um, I never, obviously I never chanted that. I've never been at a Spurs match myself live. Um, but I, I completely agree with you. Um, my final words are um, not anything really Spurs related, but it is something related to something that we've been pushing since like we started this podcast and that's immunization. Mm. Uh, it is national immunization month here in, in the U S um, and I know that there still are a number of folks who are not immunized um, against COVID and, um, and there's a, a growing number of folks who are not immunizing their children. Um, and that's why we have things like polio popping up again and smallpox and stuff like that. I, I, I want to, I want to kind of let everybody know that you need to immunize your children against these diseases. Um, not just for the betterment of the human race, but for the betterment of your kids and your family. Um, COVID, uh, especially go get your boosters. If you haven't been boosted, go get your second booster. If you have been boosted if, and if you can, if you're able to, um, make sure that if you haven't been vaccinated yet, go get vaccinated. It doesn't hurt to get vaccinated. If you've only had one shot, get your second. It doesn't hurt to get vaccinated. It's a quick poke. You might, you know, some people have some adverse effects. You might get ill for a few hours, you know, it's, it's worth not dying for, and it's worth not spreading a disease and it's worth, and it's worth having your kids around, you know, I just want everybody to know that. And, 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 uh, this being national immunization awareness, awareness month, um, that's my, that's kind of my PSA for the day. You know, it's a good good day for you to mention it because uh, I actually, we brought Isaac in for his second shot uh, just today. Uh, he's got his Perfect. last one scheduled for eight weeks from now. And uh, it's it's going to be a huge weight off our shoulders to finally have him, you know, vaccinated from this bullshit. Um, but couldn't agree more. Um, yeah. So I'm going to put on my best Dave impression right now uh, since he had to <laughs> skedaddle. Um and we're going to go with uh, closing thoughts, you know, final words. And, uh, you know, I'll just, as Steve now, tell people, don't be an asshole. And I'll look to you, Mike, to say. Coys, 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 coys. Be safe, everybody. Excellent. How do I stop this? <laughs>